Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawbeck. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the third day of the week in God's created order. Tuesday, October 31st, 2023rd year of our Lord, and happy Reformation to you. And we begin this morning with George Witten of WorthyNews.com. And George says, friends, courage is not the absence of fear, but the mastery over it. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since then the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise partake of the same, that through death he might destroy him who had power over death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And Colossians 3.3, 3, for ye are dead, and your life is hid in Christ and God. Numerous acronyms can be made from the four letters of that spell, fear, F-E-A-R. Here's one, false evidence appearing real. Deceptive fear is spreading everywhere. False evidence, questionable claims, disputable statistics, endless narratives, hyped up threats, massive complexity, defying inter, uh, defying interpretations are producing a threatening atmosphere. Or, <laughs> and George writes, atmosphere, A-T-M-O-S-F-E-A-R, in capital letters. Uncertainty and danger, real and imagined, pervade the air spreading rampant anxiety. This fear is being used as a weapon to attack our minds, our emotions, and quench our spirits. How and how is it that we are to master it? First, do we realize our bondage to the fear of death, which is the foundation of all other fears? If so, we can overcome false evidence appearing real with a firm assurance in the Holy Faith, the true evidence of what does not appear real, but is more real than anything else. Friends, Lord Yeshua, Jesus, came to destroy him who has the power over death. Death, the underlying base of all fear, of our fears, and the fear of death are no longer our slave masters if we have died in the, with the Messiah. Our life in this world is but a vapor, a shadow. As such, false evidence appearing real. But the resurrection, resurrected Son of God has hidden our life, our true life, in His. Behold, this fear-soaked world. So meet your fear and master it with faith in the risen Messiah your family, and the Lord with much agape love. George, Batrevka, Obadiah, and Elena. And this is another fine day in the Lord as we come to uh, come to our Lord this morning in 
in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for all you've done in our lives before you were even born, bringing us to this time in which we live. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the confidence that you give us. We thank you for the faith. And where there is fear, it's only when we take and set aside our armor and that shield of faith that's sitting collecting dust. Let us this morning pick up our our armor and put it on and pick up that shield of faith and our sword of truth. And let us walk boldly and confidently in this world. Let us shake off the things that fear us, knowing that we are in Christ, in our Messiah. Strengthen us, Heavenly Father. Feed us this morning your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And again, happy Reformation Day to you where we, we live. This is October 31st. And while the world is out there um, trick-or-treating and, and, and dressing up like ghouls and stuff, this is a more significant day. History, um, church history is important, folks. Church history is like American history. And and why is it rewritten? Why is it with regards to where we are in our country and and why our school why our schools and um, our government looking for revisionist history because we're taking because it robs us of the memory of what God has done. Reformation Day is very important in in church history and that and on October. 31st, 1517, it was Martin Luther that nailed the um, his his 95 thesis to the door of the Rittenborg Castle in Germany. And this was to spark, to spark a, ref, a ref, ref, <laughs> reformation. You see, up to that time, it was the... Uh, my teacher had taught in the past that religion is Satan's ace trump. You see, our our faith was hijacked by religion, in a sense that um, that men, man-made religion, had had taken and they had um, they had locked up the word of God, and they had turned around and they had uh, oppressed the people by the religion of man, keeping them from the scriptures. They uh, they had the Latin and the average person could not read Latin, and so the church came up with their doctrines, and doctrines that would that would rather than free man, as Jesus said, to free uh, that knowing the truth and the truth shall set you free. Where the church bound the Bible up to where the average person couldn't read it, where they couldn't understand it, and so they had to depend upon. They had to depend upon the religiosity of people, and they had they come up with these doctrines. We won't go over them this morning, but it was Martin Luther, a monk, that began to um, take a look at well, one of those one of the very important doctrines is justification by faith, and his his uh, teaching on faith, justification through faith, whereas the church was teaching that uh, purgatory and Praying people out and paying um, um, idols, uh, idolatry, and they were all in this. Still are to this day. But this was the most significant 
event that happened probably since the um, Pentecost because it opened up the scripture to to people around the world and um, so today the the I encourage you to to look into the and to read a little bit about Martin Luther and today this is what we as Protestants call um, Reformation Day so Luther recaptured the biblical view the authority of scripture and the priesthood of all believers because we no longer have to depend upon the priests, but we are royal priests, as Hebrews would say, and showing all people that the work had purpose and dignity because it, in it they can serve their creator. You see, we do not serve the church, but we serve directly the creator. So this morning we are in Luke seventeen eleven. While he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Are there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found to return, uh, return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. And that's where we'll that's where we'll we'll leave that leave that section. We'll we'll work on this section here. So uh first of all let's let's come back to here. Uh while there while he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And I don't think my map is working yet, so I'm not gonna bring that up, but generally speaking that uh, once again we see this that Jesus Jesus' headquarters were up in the um, Galilean area and when he would come down he's coming down for the Passover and as he's tra- as he's traveling through he's passing through the Samaritan land Samaritans and Jews did not get along Samaritans were half-breeds going all the way back to the Syrian conquest where they would where they transplanted Gentiles in this area, Samaritan area. And the present day or the time of writing that the Samaritans were the half-breeds and they hated the Jews and the Jews hated them and the Jews considered them as illegitimate people that should not even be there. So there was a lot of hate. We've already seen that Jesus went through this one time, went through this area one time and he um, and he communicated with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And um, generally, the in travel, they would uh, Jews wouldn't go through this area. They would cross over to Jordan. They would go south, and they would cross back over um, to go up to Jerusalem. But Jesus went right through them, and there was no fear for Jesus. He was going through and. Um, it was opportunity for him for evangelism. 
And uh, so as he's going through this time, he's got he has some lepers to to, to uh, yell for him. So he entered the village. Ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. Now leprosy was a, was a skin disease. We we dub it as leprosy. It was, um, but it, this was a skin disease, which when it showed up on the body and. It's going around for years. There's um, no cures for it all the way back to the time of Moses. And Leviticus, for one who contacted leprosy, they were separated from their communities. They were they were excommunicated, as it were, from the Jewish community. And um, throughout the Old Testament, this uh, throughout the Old Testament, it was rare that everyone, anyone ever got healed from leprosy now we can name three that were that uh and there may be more you can correct me on this but i only know three um off the top of my head that have been healed there was moses because remember moses when he met up with the lord you know at the burning bush um as a sign the lord said put your hand in your coat take it out it was leprosy Lepers, can we say leper? He had skin disease, all right. And then, um, so in a panic state, the Lord uh, Moses in a panic state, the Lord says to him, "Put put it back in, put it back in, took it out, and it was healed." Okay, so that was the first healing of leprosy. And um, then the second one was Miriam, and Miriam got leprosy, and she was cast out of the camp for a time until Moses, her brother intervened and she was healed and then there was the third one um and uh second kings uh second kings five uh naaman naaman and he was a general and he had contact he he wasn't jewish he was gentile but he had came to elijah and elijah told him to go and um dunk himself in the seven times in the jordan i think so look back on the details on that i hadn't looked at on that and he would be healed and he was and that was the incident where he t- takes some dirt back to Jerusalem with him because he wanted some hold or from Jerusalem uh, from the land holy land back to his so those were the three times by point that were um, that there were healing so there wasn't much for priests to do at this point with regards to uh, because once somebody was healed Normally, by the law, they would go back and show themselves to the priest, and the priest would dub them as clean and bring them, and they were allowed to come back into the society. So he entered the village. Ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy over us. On us, I don't know what so much to make on this. This master, it wasn't curious, um, and you might have some thoughts. You think about this on your own. Usually, it's curious. Curious means Lord, Master, Lord, Master. Lord can also mean Sir as a, a sign of respect. Master here. Let's look it up in the Luanida. Master here is um, epistates. A person of high status, particularly in view of a role of leadership, 
leader, or master. So they were recognizing um, they were recognizing the authority, the authority of Jesus, and um, authority apparently authority that. Um, and certainly he is the authority, authority over diseases, authority over um, demons and all that. So they were recognizing him for this. And he said, have mercy on us. And this mercy is compassion. And let's look at that with Leonida. And Elea'o, to show kindness or concern for someone in serious need, to show mercy to be merciful toward, to have mercy on uh, mercy. How often do we go by people that that um, with without much? You see, leprosy they were outcast. Once they were once they were outside of the community, people didn't think of them too much anymore. They were, and basically this to them it was a, it was a death sentence. And so you were just sent off to die somewhere in a cave or where in in the community, and the 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 lepers would. Um, so you know you have a son, you have a daughter, you have a husband, a wife that they contacted leprosy, and you'd have to send them away, and they would die in obscurity. And so they were dead even before they died. They might be. They might be speaking, you know, they might be very much alive, but as far as that, they just it's like today. They said, well, uh, just make them comfortable because there's nothing else we can do for them in this kind of case. So a very, very sad situation. And um, so here, here is a group of them, 10 of them, and they have to remain their distance as per, part of the law. They remain their distance, and they're calling out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have compassion on us. And certainly our Lord has compassion. Many of us, even today, how many, how much do we pass by those who are sick or not give much, and may, or not give much attention to? You know, at least we could do is, is be up. If you say that you have nothing to pray about, then I have to say, well, you don't, you don't know too much about the plight of your your friends and your neighbors and sick ones. At least you can spend some time in prayer, praying for the, for these folks, but um, and and calling upon Jesus. I mean, we could call out for them to the Lord who sits at the right hand of the Father, who's pray who's praying and interceding for us. We can send up our prayers, and it's it's a part of our com. Our compassionate um, mercies, or our our compassion, and and extending our compassion to others. That that well, maybe we can't do a whole lot for other people, but we certainly can pray for them. All right. So, coming back to our passage here. Okay. Um, for, verse fourteen. When he saw them, he said to them, "Go and show yourself to the priest." And as they were going, they were cleansed. All right. On this, there had to be faith. There, they had to have the faith. And faith is assurance of things hoped for. The convictions of things not seen. The master. They called out master. So, so the one who was in charge was going to give them instructions. Do this. 
uh, just like Elijah did to to Nam. Okay, he he came up to the house and he said to the servant, you know, the actually the slave girl told um, General Nam to to go see Elijah, that Elijah the prophet can help them help him. And when he showed up and um, the let me see, let me let me check one thing here. Second Kings five. Stand by. Let's see. And um, so when he shows up to Elijah, um, he he don't he don't even get an audience with Elijah. I would call him Elijah. I, um, I get the two, the stories on the two. This is Elijah, the prophet. And so he had, when he shows up, when he shows up, the, the servant, or the servant of Elijah, you know, goes in, tells, says that General Nam out there. And um, so Elijah says, go out, go have him go down to the, the Jordan and, uh, and dip himself into the Jordan, I believe seven times, and then um, he'll be healed. And um, so the so there had to be faith, and what I'm getting at is that there had to be faith. There, there had to be a a um, he. If he didn't do it, would he have been healed? Um, he had to follow the instructions. Well, these at this point, and once again, I'll also throw this out too. This is something different too. Jesus didn't touch him. They were yelling at him from a distance, and he was yelling back and. Jesus was um, respecting, respecting at this point the the Levitical laws. Jesus, Jesus would yell back to them. Okay, they yell back to say, "Hey, have mercy on us," and um, and Jesus, uh, Master, and Jesus would yell back to them. He said, "Go, okay, just just go, go and show yourself to the priest." Now they weren't healed yet. They weren't healed yet. They, but they had to have faith. To know that they were already healed. To turn and head on to the priest. And as they responded to the instructions of Jesus, they, they were healed on the way, on the way there. Okay? Coming back to our passage here. When they saw, when he saw them, he said to them, "Go, show yourself to a priest." And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God in a loud voice, and he fell to his feet, at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. All right, let's take a note of this. You got 10 lepers. This one is identified as a Samaritan. You see, again, going back, to, uh, this is, what do we make out of this? You, you've got, you got 10 of them. First of all, a community of lepers. It was the pain. It was the sin that uh, the two people, Samaritans and Jews, did not, did not form a bond except 
when they shared the same issue. They shared the same pain. They shared the same disease. And that and their community came together. And just as we as sinners, there there can be all kinds of ethnic groups. And our society like our society, Satan likes to divide us up into different groups. Blacks and whites and Jews and Gentiles, um, Asians and Americans and this, that and the other thing and 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 then make and and even now, um, gay, straight, this, that, if anything and everything that we can, he can formulate and separate people. But the one thing that brings us all together is sin. When we recognize that we are lost, when we recognize that we are sinners, I, I, um, I don't like the, the the church billboards that say we welcome all people because I don't know the heart of that. And um, you know, if it's in one way that in one way I, we do welcome all people. Well, that's that's getting on a, a soapbox there. So, um, but when a church to recognize that we're all sinners, a church to recognize that um, we're all broken by sin, and it's sin that brings us all together. Number one, and that's not that's not to that's not to say that we all come together as one big happy family and that we're all sinners, but we have the same affirmity, and that affirmity is sin. So here it is that you have ten lepers, but they're a community, Jew and Gentile alike. So you would think that when they were healed, that nine of these Jewish people had, in a Jewish mindset, in a Jewish mindset that there is uh, that there's two people in the world, Jews and Gentiles. Or, or Jews and everybody else, and they so when they were healed, apparently the the division all of a sudden the division was there there once again. But what happened? You would think that nine Jews would come back and throw themselves at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. No, they left. Who came back? The Samaritan. It was the Samaritan that came back. To give glory to God. To, uh, to give glory. Not glory to Jesus. But glory to God. Look at this. Going back. Now. Um, now one of them. When he saw that he had been healed. Turned back. Glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell on his face. At his feet. Giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered. And said. I hear, here's one of these. Rhetorical questions. You could, I think somebody wrote a book on the questions of Jesus. And these, these were rhetorical questions. And a rhetorical question is one that makes you think. He goes, were there not ten cleansed? Of course there were. Jesus knew that. He's, he's not asking. He, he hadn't lost count. He knew all. Jesus knows all ten. Jesus knows all, knew all ten of them. But the nine, where are they? Was no one found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And notice, notice, it's not glory to Jesus. 
Jesus is not bringing Jesus his um, his mo, mo his modus operandi is not to bring glory to himself. You have faith healers. I'm reading about some faith healer in the news now. That's big revival, and he's doing healing this and healing that. You got people like Benny Hinn or um, and these others that doing these um, circus acts and everything else, and and people are and they're there glorifying themselves and they're they're whatever they're doing. But Jesus never was bringing attention to himself. He always brought glory to God. Doxa. He brings glory to God, glorifying him and bringing attention to a God in heaven. And um, I think of recently, I sat down with with a friend of mine, I think I told, told you about it, and he, they've had, him and his wife has had in the past year, couple years, the medical. She she was diagnosed with a rare cancer. She was she was dying. The doctors, uh, the first doctors and stuff gave gave her. You know, say, well, uh, only thing there's nothing you can do. You can give her, um, just make her comfortable and all. He wasn't satisfied with that. And my friend is a praying man, and his family is a very doctrinally and very. Um, devout family they they began to pray and providentially they've heard of a doctor he i sat down with them for about 45 minutes and he was he was chronicling everything that happened in the miraculous and the providential hand of god and everything that led them to a a specialist in texas and um and even then the miracles of god that was working on that family brought a lot of people nurses staff uh, the doctors, the staff, others, to the point where they were speaking of God regularly and talking to other people about this, the miracles that they said. He, she is, his wife now is 100% rec- recovered. And um, and all the praises went up to God. Many people saw the miracle and they came, and they came to glorify God. Miracles. Where they uh, do I still believe in miracles? Absolutely. Do I depend upon miracles? No, I don't. But where there are miracles, where there are miraculous healing, God doesn't always because some of you may have this question. God doesn't always uh, how we define miracles. He doesn't always heal people in that direction. There is a purpose and a reason why thing why He allows things to go. And I was talking, uh, who was it yesterday? Um, yeah, I was talking to my brother Mike yesterday. And Mike said we're, we are always ready to give thanks where we see miracles. But we're also always ready to blame God. Blame God for, for when we have this sickness and this ailment and we, we have to go through it. Amen, Tim. And we have to continue to go through it and march through it. And God does it. God, it seems like God's not hearing our prayers and we blame God for the bad things and the sickness. And, and Mike said yesterday, when do we start blaming Satan for it? When we start blaming sin for this? You know, so these things, and the Lord, the Lord allows us to have what we have because of grace. As Paul had prayed, that he prayed three times for a thorn in his flesh to be removed. 
But finally, God revealed it to him that his grace would be sufficient for him. I want you all to recognize, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been saved from the greatest affirmity. And here's the principle in which we, which we have. Uh, let me read the rest of this here. Um, and he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. <laughs> I guess that is the rest of it. So, um, it's easy for God to perform a miracle. And um, and our uh, the greatest miracle is done for all of our lives is that the Lord has taken us as sinners, lost sinners, condemned to hell. And through regeneration, he makes a lie, a dead spirit, a dead human spirit, which now we are complete with a body, a soul, and a spirit, that we are able to connect with God and, and, and commune with God once again. We, we have been made whole, every one of us. So regardless of how rest of our lives go, whether we are physically sick, well, prosperous, um, living in squalor, adversity, and poverty, this short vapor of a life and how whatever our lot is, we have been saved by the grace of God and and we are going to be one day absent from the body and face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ because of his healing and healing of us. How do we go through this this life? Because we did nothing to be saved. We did nothing to to receive eternal life, this and some people some people cry out. The argument is that it's easy beliefism, only to believe in the Lord. You have to do something. Legalists, the legalists inside of us say, "Well, you got to do this, or you got to do that, and you got to square away your life, and you you just you just you making it too easy." No, it wasn't easy for Jesus. It, he, it wasn't easy for him that it makes it easy for us. And the fact to hear that Jesus Christ provides eternal life. We were crying out, Master, have mercy on us. And he said, your faith has made you well. It has restored you. And though it's free for us, grace demands a response. It, reman- it demands thanksgiving. That's why we have communion, Eucharist, thanksgiving. The recognizing the greatest thing that's ever done for us. And we can never repay it because the cost is just so great. We can never do anything for our salvation before or after we are saved. But it's a free gift. But what do we do? What can we do if grace demands a response? To turn back and to submit ourselves to the authority of Christ in our lives. We called him Master and we said, Master, have, uh, have mercy upon us. And when he does, then what do our 
And many of us as Christians, yes, when we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, we went about our way. Thank you. Thank you for the salvation, Lord. See you in heaven and I'll go about our way. But there are those like this, like this Samaritan that should shame, that should shame the Jews and everybody else that recognizing that this was a free gift. I didn't deserve this. He had mercy on me. He saved me. So what do I do? In response, I turn back to him, worshiping him, giving glory to God so that other people cannot see me and see me, but look past me and see the God who healed me. My life should reflect. And, and incidentally, this is where we'll finish today. The, the, the disciples really were, the disciples were, were bumblers in the faith as many of us are. But when they saw the resurrected Christ, their lives turned around. It should be the miracles in our lives. And, and that miracle of salvation, the miracle of the resurrection of Christ that we trust in that uh, and we give glory to God for and that we submit ourselves to the authority of God in this life, disconnected from this life and being Christ followers as we described the other day. And then it is our faith that makes us well. Father in heaven, thank you for this day and for this time together and fellowship in your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that that we might start living if we haven't been, but even even continue and even press on to live a life of gratitude for what has already been done. Father, we recognize that we do not be not to receive a blessing, but because we have already been blessed. May we be like the Samaritan that turned around to to um, give glory to God, falling at the feet of Jesus. Recognize him as master before we were saved, and now recognize him after we we're saved, coming to him and saying, Yes, Lord, I will go where you have me to go, do what you have me to do, be what you would have me to be. And these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. It's another fine day in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting a good fight of faith. Lord willing, spirit guiding, rapture pinning. This is Tuesday. We'll see you. We'll see you in the AM. We do have uh, anybody local. We do have uh, tonight um, our uh, start. Our prayer meetings back up. We should have never stopped it, but we will. We will gather together at seven seven p.m. nineteen hundred for you military types this evening. Uh, so until then, we'll see you. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again as well as previous lessons. And get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.